What's up, everybody? Happy New Year. We are back. Welcome to the Cinephile Roundtable brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, JC. What's up? And Elliot. What's going on, everybody? What's going on, fellas? Happy New Year. Happy New Year's. Happy 2021. So I... Sophia's feels worth saying that. I, 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 I want to know if you guys yelled you Jumanji at midnight. Nah. He <laughs> was the only one, David. I was the only one. I, I It's... it's uh. I was at my at my uh, my mother in law's house, and they they looked at me when we when I said Jumanji at the end of the year, and I'm like, you, you just got to be sure, man. You just got to be sure. Um, so yeah, 2020 is finally over. 2021 is here, and today we are looking at our worst, our best, and what we're anticipating in the new year. Uh, but before we get into that, a little bit of news items that I wanted to touch on. Uh, first one, this is I guess more for me and JC. Uh, Ralph Malchio in an interview stated that Cobra Kai is planned through the sixth season. After season three, I got a chance to watch this earlier in December. JC, thoughts on season three real quick? I mean, my review pretty much said it all. Like, I loved it. I don't think it was the best season like you said, but it was. Def- I feel like it was. It made a lot of progress from like being able to show like, like basically set up a lot of stuff. Like it perfectly set up season four, which mm-hmm. we thankfully know that we're gonna get because they, they announced it in october and i just like how it's like it still had the humor that we love the cheesy humor but it it was like more serious which shows like the you know the show's not i mean granted i feel like the show is always gonna you know like rely on nostalgia because us fans of the show love that but i like the fact that they took it like in a more serious tone yeah i agree and ellie still haven't gotten to it right Still haven't gotten, man. I don't know. Uh, wax on, wax on. I haven't, I haven't hit my, my mojo yet with that show, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I, I enjoy the films I've seen from the franchise, but I'm just not a diehard. I just have this fear that, like, if I watch the show, it's just going to be like, oh, I won't get that Easter egg or understand that callback or whatnot. Because I think I've heard, like, this season really kind of has a callback to uh, Karate Kid 2, which yeah. I've literally only seen once, and that was probably like 15 years ago. So it's just like one of those things, like, do I have to do homework to really enjoy the show? So that's kind of been my hesitation. I think you now I think you will have to do homework with season three, but for season one mm-hmm. and two, you really didn't. And I it's mean, they, going in fresh, yeah. they're not even the, the the great thing about season three is that not only do they call back to Karate Kid Part two, they call back to fat Daniel LaRusso. I mean, did Karate Kid Part <laughs> three. And I know that's JC's favorite Karate Kid. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm but, ju- you didn't you didn't even realize that he was fat until I told you. I'm yeah, like, no, that's all you. Because in, in the movies, one one to three. It's supposed to take all place in one year, but remember the movie. The first one came out in 1984. The third one came out in 1989. So Daniel, so um, Ralph Macchio, he aged you know five years, so he had you know he he had he had gained some weight. I'm like, it's supposed to take one year apart, but this dude looks so fat and older. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that yeah, so that's the running joke, Elliot. Me and just call it me and Jay Z just call him Fat Daniel Russo for for part fat three. Uh, um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of glad just to touch on this real quick. I'm kind of glad that they have an end game set. Um, I'm one of those people that don't like when shows overstay their welcome. Some people love 
supernatural and love that it's been around since I was five years old. But like for me, I'm <laughs> I'm the type of person that just likes things like a definite opening and ending. That's kind of why I love Breaking Bad so much because there's no reason Breaking Bad should have ended in 2013 because of all the ratings and the hype that the show had, but it did. And it ended perfectly. So I'm kind of glad that they have a beginning and end set. Uh, next bit of news is more on the future of Warner Brothers and streaming. So Warner Brothers is planning a mix of streaming and theatrical releases for their DC slate. Um, I personally like this. We spoke about this last month when, when we, when we, um, we had a podcast regarding the fact that the future of streaming and the potential releases on there. JC, you, your thoughts on the Warner Brothers plans. I mean, like, you know, we, we, we're seeing that streaming just be like, thank God that we have Netflix, Hulu, all these streamers. Because can you imagine how the how this last year would have just looked without all those streamers? Like, we bur- you know, we got a lot of movies because of streaming. So, you know, it's like streaming is the future. The only thing that bothers me about this is the fact that Static Shock is getting the short end of the stick. Because that's been like, besides Batgirl, that's like the rumor of the two that might definitely go to streaming. You know, like, you know, it's like, it's like. It was a, it's a black combo character. Like, I feel like, you know, like, I, I wish they would have, but, like, you know, like, get, get, give him his chance in theaters. Ellie, what about your thoughts? I, I, I totally agree with that. The only thing I would say is, especially with the future of, like, just cinema in general, characters that are kind of, like, not only obscure or, like, unknown characters might have actually a better chance on streaming services just because people, like, you know, I would rather watch it at home versus like spending $15 and maybe not going to take the chance on an incredible character like Static Track or, you know, Batgirl or whatever the case may be. So I think it's going to allow more people to see the character and also <clears throat> kind of take a page out of Disney Plus. I think the days of like origin stories are going to be kind of designated to Disney Plus shows, whether it be, you know, Kate Bishop on Hawkeye or Static Shock on uh, HBO Max, and then maybe seeing them later in the, in the future film. So I think the long form storytelling, the introductions, the origin stories of sorts of characters like that will be uh, HBO Max and Disney Plus, And then you'll see them make their way into the movies and they'll make people go back and watch the shows. And it's just a whole like synergy type of situation they have going with uh, these characters. Yeah, I agree. I think the days of us giving Guardians of the Galaxy a shot in theaters when we had no idea who they were are are over. It, it's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. It, and, I re- I, and I remember, I remember, I was actually listening to a podcast from 2012, a Kevin Smith podcast, uh, just yesterday, and they were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. And this was two years before it was released. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, they're making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Like, who wants to see that? And <laughs> apparently a lot of people did because it was such yeah. a hit in 2014. I remember I had to, I literally went on Instagram and I asked, like, who wants to come with me to see in the theaters? I'll pay for your ticket because nobody <laughs> wanted to see that stuff. I literally had to go by myself. I'm like, fuck it. I'm like, I, you know, like, it looked good. And then I saw the reviews. I'm like, you know what? Because yeah. I was even hesitant about it because I'm like, I didn't really know about these characters. But, you know, Marvel, I saw the reviews. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. And I was, is it my top five? Yeah, a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine that works for Variety now. At that time, he had a critic screening that week. I still was hesitant that week. I'm like, oh, maybe this is the one that Marvel fucks up on. And but he shot me, a, he shot me a message like right after the, the screening. He was like, no, they, 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 they've done it again. <laughs> so it's it's good to see that uh, we still get these origin stories, even though if it's on HBO Max. I did want to. I haven't really talked to Elliot about this. I definitely talked a little bit to you. I saw this headline that I wanted to touch base with you guys on that. Wonder Woman is the lowest. Wonder Woman eighty four is the lowest rated movie on IMDb in the DCEU. Is this more? Uh, JC and I talk about this all the time. Elliot review bombing. This is review review bombing to the max, right? JC. Oh, for sure. It's like, like come on. I just I feel like some some. I mean, like it's the same. It's the same stuff we saw with like 
when that in Miami, how the the audience scores twenty percent. Like I haven't seen the movie, but there's no way that that movie's that bad. No, 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 no. It's it's one of those uh, one of those the people that haven't seen it, they just wanna they just wanna talk shit on it. Uh, Elliot, thoughts? Yeah, no. This is there's again to each his own. Everyone should have their their opinion out there, mm-hmm. but there's no way someone can tell me that Wonder Woman eighty four is a, a a worse film than Suicide Squad and that <laughs> Frankenstein of a film Justice League. There's there's no way anyone can prove like to me, no one can make that reason. So it's to each his own. Again, yeah, I, I, I enjoy Wonder Woman. It's kind of in my like top. It's like number five or number six in my DCEU film. It yeah, has its flaws good. without a doubt. It has its plot holes. Mm-hmm. It has its kind of inconsistencies with its MacGuffin. But it's to me, and I might be biased to superhero uh, movies just because I grew up with comic books, but I always kind of give them a little bit of a lenience in regards to like logic and just to me, Wonder Woman's 84 was more of a like superhero movie than probably yep. any DC film today. Like it's an actual like she's saving people. She's not killing anyone. No one dies in the movie at all. It's a throwback to, you know, one uh, Superman and even a throwback to Wonder Woman, the, the cheesy campy nature to that character uh, with Linda Carter. So. I enjoyed the film. I can acknowledge his flaws, but there's no way yep. anyone can tell me that it's the worst rated DCEU film. Exactly. I, and I, I saw that, and I saw that on like social media pages, and I'm like, really? Like, it, it just feels like anti DC people are just trying it's to throw any shade. On to... Because I'm, I'm with you. I'm exact. Ellie, you kind of nailed exactly how I feel on the movie. It's, it's fun. I had a great time with it. It's a, it's a comic book movie that would be that would work so well in the 90s and 2000s and it calls back you mentioned superman it calls back to both downer films really really well i had a great time with it and for me yeah like I'm, i have it middle tier it's not it's not as atrocious as suicide squad it, it's not sorry jc i know that i know that's your thing i, I like the movie man. I still, and i still put wonder woman 84 higher like i feel like people are mis like misconstruing like is it is it a kind of a disappointment you know like it's you know, for most of us when the the first one the moment is like the best DC is like the best DCEU movie. So mm, of course yeah. there was expectations for it. And I just feel like people are like being let down by what you know, because it's tonally is a whole completely different movie. Yeah. And I feel like people are just like, okay, yeah, I was disappointed. But like I remember there's people that say this is the worst movie of the year. It is not the worst movie. Nowhere near. Hell. Like to me, it actually I don't know if you guys agree. I actually think it falls more in line with like an Aquaman. Like I, I have yeah, it at that yeah. level. Like I like Aquaman. I like Wonder Woman eighty four a little bit more than Aquaman. But in terms of like quality, I think it's right there. They're both like on even par. Yeah, you fun. have Patty Jenkins, uh, James Wan. These are characters that you know they've read comic books. They get to have bring these comic book characters to life and having a fun time with them. And it's just, yeah, yeah, I don't get it, man. And then I've always been like on the heel that I would love to see Patty Jenkins direct actual Superman movie. And this was essentially her Superman movie, so yeah. she kind of scratched that itch for me. And uh, yeah, man, I don't, I don't understand all. Yeah, same. But again, to each own, I guess man. it's one of those situations where it was so much hype on the film that I can see maybe some people being disappointed. And I think I, I hope this isn't the case with No Time to Die with the so many delays that some people just build it, build it, build it up. And then if it doesn't hit all the marks that they wanted to because it's supposed to be out a year ago, that it kind of deflates the balloon. But I think, I uh, it. Ellie, I think we'll be good because we still have Spectre that came out before No Time to Die. Yeah. So I, th- <laughs> I, 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 I think I think we'll yeah, be like okay. it can get it can get worse than that or, or Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace is is the worst out of the Daniel Craig run. I, I there's some stuff there's Ash, some Ash stuff in Spectre for me really i think there's some stuff in Spectre i really enjoyed my issue with Spectre, it's too fucking long it's way too yeah, long. and the fact that they nobody was born to play a, a bond villain more than christoph waltz and they oh, just misused him yeah he's yeah. he is in this so, right he's in this new one yeah like in, in a jail scene yeah. in a jail scene but I, I, the part unless they go like 
Santa's on lamps and have and have this guy constantly visit him like I expect it to be a cameo. Yeah, and it's been I'm I'm more hyped because it's been like 25 years since I've seen the Kari Fukunaga movie. So I'm like I'm just excited <laughs> yeah, we're finally getting something. It's it's been definitely been a while. And then there was another uh, oh, one last question before I run through this last bit of news. Um your thoughts on the fact do you want all these DC cuz I know um I'm looking at doing a, a comic book animated podcast in the, in the near future and like dc animator films right now they release on blu-ray and they go probably like three or four weeks later on dc uh dc universe whatever it's called do you would you like them day and date on as part of this warner's dc streaming or do you like the model that they have right now i'll start off with jc on that i i really don't have much to say on this one sorry all right that's cool elliot are you into the dc animated films yeah i i, I try i haven't seen the uh the last two that came out last year like justice league was it wasn't dark it was um i can't remember the name of it but i heard it was like really violent and really cool and, and i actually personally like dc like i think dc is like destroying like one thing dc is destroying marvel in is like the animated stuff so i i really enjoy the uh you know the flashpoint paradox and all yeah, the different you know films that we got in the last decade or so and that kind of the through line they had through all those films so yeah i'm, I'm I, I would like to see that kind of day so you're referring to like having the hbo max movies and then yeah. coming on so DC like app. Ins- yeah. instead of instead of doing the the blu-ray release that they do like they do like yeah. a home video release and then like a few weeks later they go on dc universe it comes out i kind of yeah. would i kind of would love that the animated films would just fall in line with these dc warner bros movies that are going to be streaming on hbo backs that's kind of like let's just get this out there there we know mm. how popular they are we know how good they are um i've actually talking off the line uh elliot i was trying to push uh jc on a dark knight returns the animated film Cause that's mm, yeah for that's me. Awesome. Yeah, Where is for, that a push? I said I watch it. It it's it's the <laughs> to me it's probably I mean it's the best Batman story I've ever read. And Elliot, yeah. you're into comics, so I don't I don't think there I don't think there's anything that touches the Dark Knight Return instead of a a whole story. Like let's put it this way, um, JC, it's split into four parts. Two parts, uh, issue one and two. He's dealing with these neo Nazis called the mutants. Then issue three, it's just him and the Joker, but it's old Batman and old Joker. So you have like a whole issue that you're dealing with that. And then um, issue four, full shade being thrown out here. You actually get Batman v Superman done right. So like it's it, it's really it's really break, yeah. It's really remember good this. Stuff. I beat I beat you. Yeah, he's like he's like. Uh, there's a line at the end of the book that he's like after he beat Superman, he's like, I just want you to remember I'm the one that beat you. Like. Fuck you, dude. That's so. Like, we get Martha. We get Martha. We didn't get that. That would have been so fucking hey, great man, to see I, on screen. BBS is high, man. I, I, I will stand on that hill that BBS is beyond its time. Very similar to a lot like of Zack Snyder Have you seen like Elliot? Go, go ahead, Jay Z. Sorry. No, I feel like with BBS, I feel like just people just had too much hype for it as well. Like, I oh, knew for sure there was no way it was going to live up to that title of, you know, like, you know, you hear Batman vs. Superman, you're going to think it's going to be one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. That's why I enjoy it. Because like I said in the thing when I ranked all the DC movies, the only one that I really dislike is Justice League. Besides that one through eight, I enjoy parts of all the other DC movies. Like I, I like a lot of stuff with Batman vs Superman. Like I was gonna ask Elias because I know he's a fan. I can say, and I've and I I'm, I hope that you I'm sure you've probably seen it already. The three hour cut of Batman v Superman. I personally think that's probably Snyder's best work in the DC. EU. I think that the three-hour cut of Batman v Superman, I think, is legit good. I don't know if you've been able to see that one. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as soon as it came out on Blu-ray, I, I picked it up the day <laughs> of, and I, I still, for me personally, to, to the DCEU, Zack Snyder, I think Man of Steel is like his his masterpiece in my eyes. Uh, but yeah, BVS, uh, and I know uh, we talked about it on the uh, on Instagram. I know you're not the biggest fan of, of Man of Steel, but I I, I love that film I, uh, to pieces. But and I guess yeah, to kind of a little side tangent, what is it about that film that doesn't resonate with you? Oh, as for, as for Man of Steel. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm actually glad that you Souls, brought that up. Right, you said. No, yeah, oh, oh, I did say I, I did know say Kevin Costner. No, that, I'm not even going to bring that up because that's just so obvious of like <laughs> of of an annoyance. My thing is is like there, there's a few things here. Um, for me, Superman is there's a moral compass to Superman that he is always out to save people. He's always out for the for the good of the good of mankind. That's what like he lives on Earth as Clark, you know, living with Jonathan and Martha, and he sees the good in people, and that's what he as a character, his moral compass lies. Here in Man of Steel, he's depressed, he hates life, he's he's a hobo for about three quarters of the film. There's so, there, there's such a disconnect for me with Clark and Superman as a character to what I've seen in the comics. That being said, I think a, where, where Snyder like really loses me is the fact that I don't like the development of his relationship with Lois. I, I never really, you know, I understand like we're living in a different world now that she should, you know, it's she's the smartest reporter in the world. She should figure out who Lois, who Clark, that Clark is Superman. She figures out in about 15 minutes. Like, you know, I, I don't like that. But my biggest issue is the fact that it goes back to the moral compass of him saving people, not killing people. We can look at the fact that he kills Zod. And that's something that people have talked about for at least six or seven years. You know, Superman doesn't kill people. But we look at that 40 minute f- battle in the end. You going to take that somewhere else. It's like complete destruction of of humanity in in Metropolis, where outside of you know uh, at the the report the Daily Planet the folks that work at the Daily Planet everyone fucking dies. There's no one that lives, and the only time that Clark Superman care about the people, the human life, is those four people at Grand Central Station, like. Where, where was your moral compass when you're fucking destroying all these buildings? Where was your moral compass when you are literally killing everyone? It felt like you want to get to that point where he has to make that choice, but he already made that choice about 40 minutes before when he's having this giant battle with Zod all over Metropolis and everyone is pretty much dead. I, I think there's, you want to have a dark tone superhero movie? That's perfectly fine. We had three. We had Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. And I think they're for the most part they were done pr- relatively well. Then we get to Man of Steel, and I I was excited, and I I actually talked to JC about this off the line after I rewatched it. It tries too much to be a Christopher Nolan film to the point that the end credits are at the end of the movie <laughs> in the I same mean, you font. The trainer. Of, yeah, no, they made you want to believe that this is a Christopher Nolan film when it really isn't. Another, and this is very, this is, this is, Elliot, this is more nitpicky. Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah, no, this is just more nip, me nitpicking <laughs> oh, on this. Started. This is more me nitpicking on this. I love it. So, at the beginning of the movie, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's a little boy that is in a, is that Clark in a red cape? Like a little, wearing like a little, uh, the pit with the, yeah, yeah, a sheet or something that yeah. uh, Martha was washing or something why like that. Is yeah. he, why is he wearing that? Who was his, where, there was no Superman it's before. Inspiration. There was, a, well, well, but what was the inspiration? There's no Superman before. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, like, that's definitely nitpicking, Dave. Yeah, but it's, and then obviously the whole, <laughs> foreshadowing, it's foreshadowing. The, the whole, the whole, uh, 
listen, I didn't have a dad growing up, and that's cool. Same, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. They make adopted parents feel like like feel like the worst possible people. <laughs> like uh, Jonathan Kett dies, and you know we talked about on other episodes. I don't like how he dies, but the fact that he just he. I believe after that is when he leaves, he finds, you know, he Jarrell or whatever. And then, and, and then he yeah. comes back to Martha and he's like, I'm okay now. I found my real dad. I'm like, no asshole. I'm like, Jonathan and Martha are your parents. They're the ones that raised you and taught you to become this supposedly good person and who has these values. But you just, you know, your father died, your your stepfather dies and you just like you know adopt the parents or nothing i found my real dad and everything is right with the world there's just yeah you pandora's box is open <laughs> oh we gotta have yeah. i would love to have a, a separate podcast about it and i i, I, I think we should i think we stuff, should but i would love to discuss all this oh stuff. absolutely there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an answer for all this stuff you just mentioned man i, I, that, can, I love can i have what can i have one answer <laughs> just one answer on the the main question why did what as as a person like Let's say yeah. it was both. Let's say it was our moms there, being in that Jonathan Kent role, and you had superpowers. Would you save her? Would you save your 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 parents if in that situation? In that moment, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think that moment it is controversial. I think it does, you know, goes goes against the character at grain. And I think even Zack Snyder has kind of said it himself in regards to. His interpretation of Superman is, I mean, it's, it's it's essentially he's putting Batman into the Superman kind of lore in a sense of kind of this dark, grim character. And it's, again, putting itself in into the real world and it's kind of like trying to ground it into reality and all that stuff. And I can appreciate that aspect. But in regards to him not saving his father... <laughs> it, it is something I, I, t- I tuck. Uh, it's a, I'm, I'm 50-50 with it. Because, again, I think uh, his, his father, Jonathan, in that moment... He knows, again, at his core, he wants to protect his son. And his idea of saving his son is do not show your identity because once you do that, the world will turn against you. The world's an evil place, as we know, kind of as Zack Snyder was trying to create in BVS in regards to how do people look at Superman. This God, he can just literally snap at any point, and that fuels, obviously, Bruce Wayne. But to me, Jonathan saying, do not do this. I'm content with my life. I was able to make my wife happy, raise this alien as my own child. And I'm happy I'm at peace with this decision, kind of his, you know, guidance of this, you know, building his his, his foundation of his son, protect your yourself at all costs. And as far as Clark goes in that moment, he's he's you know, he, he's, he listens to his dad. He listens to his father at that point. He doesn't you know, he doesn't want to break the rule of something that was instilled in him at a very at a baby to, to protect yourself, protect your mom at all costs, even if it means me losing my life. Do not show your who you really are. Which again goes back to him going to you know uh, you know his father and having that moment of you know showing who he really is, why he has to protect the world, and kind of using those morals that he gets from his dad on Earth and also his 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 biological father and becoming what we see him at the end of this film. And also it, is, it still is an origin story in a sense. He's yeah. still learning how to be Superman, hence to some of the stuff of him not saving people and all that stuff at the uh, the back half of the film. But I think it's just a matter of he didn't want to save his father because it was instilled in him to always at all costs, even if it means me losing my life, don't show who you are because the world will turn against you. So so I and I guess my last counter before we move on, because you're you're right, Elliot, we could definitely have a full a full discussion on, on Man of Steel. I think the reason that that death bothers me so much, it's not even the fact that, you know, you know he didn't rescue him and at the same point if we had those powers maybe we would have done we would have probably done differently it's the fact oh, that it's the fact that jonathan's death being a heart attack 
has always been so important to that character because it mm. humanized him in terms of like I have all these powers, but I, I can't save my I dad can't save my yeah. dad. And mm. I think the fact that that's missing now, it doesn't dehumanize Clark, you know. But at the same time, it's like that was what brought him down to earth in terms of I am not all powerful. There are just some things I can't or some people I can't save. And you could use that argument for later where he's like causing mad ruckus on on Metropolis where he's letting like 97,000 people die. Um, but at the same time, those are, those are not his stepfather. That's not his father. So mm-hmm. it's, he's not going to have the same, be the same idea of like, man, I couldn't save everybody. So yeah, it's, it's a good discussion. It's to have. controversial. Yeah, oh, yeah it definitely it's a controversial is. And, for sure. and it sure. sucks because I, I, and JC and I have talked about this off the line. Like, I don't hate Zack Snyder. I don't have a problem with Zack mm-hmm. Snyder. I think Zack Snyder has very solid ideas for he's the most part. Filmmaker. Yeah, he's a very, oh, yeah. and, and every, it's the fan base. Very polarizing. Yeah. yeah. And every time he interviews, I listen. I think his interviews are, he's a very good speaker. It's just like JC nailed it. It's that fan base. Like, you are the most, realistic Zack Snyder fan I ever met and I appreciate you more appreciate you more for it. Like yeah, it's because you could you got met the flaws in his work. Like there's some I mean you know the now it's like restored the Snyder cut universe thing that they're trying to start now. It's like bro just Oh yeah be, because like, Warner's is doing this thing of Warner execs feel like the Snyder cut is kind of like a dead end. Like it's not really going mm-hmm. anywhere. So there's yeah. a, there's a new petition starting it's for that. Letting him finish his vision and that's it. Yeah, so yeah, it's a good discuss. It's a good discussion to continue on another day. Um, sure. The there there was there was a a rumor about problems on the set of Batman of the Batman, but it was reported yeah. by the it was reported by the Sun, and I take anything <laughs> the Sun says with little to no credibility because that's the same outlet that reported that Joker two was happening, and it's not happening. So I mean, we'll see we'll see what happens with that. I've actually never seen like. I, I did a little research just to see how, you know, legit this may be. I've never heard of Matt Reeves being this David Fincher like I want to do 140 takes for one shot. Have you <laughs> yeah. ever heard that, JC or, or Elliot? I haven't, but I think I think I could believe there's some truth to like Robert Pattinson being frustrated because remember they've been shooting this movie for like a year yeah, on and off. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I get yeah. I could remember he's <clears throat> coming from like a decade of working in indies that you no, I'm pretty sure On good time. Next project, yeah, 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 like yeah, good yep. time was probably shot with like in 20 days or something. The lighthouse mm-hmm. in like 10 days, and I mean he was drunk yeah, for but, half but of it. That, but yeah, but the lighthouse it could it could have been five days. What I read about how he how Edgar shoots that movie and how they they came to blows, yeah, like it could have been five days. That that shoot was torture. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, I love the lighthouse, but I wouldn't want to be Defoe or Pattinson and shooting that movie. That that seemed like torture. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I think everything will be fine. But whether it's true or not, I just feel like it's kind of what you said. If there is issues, it's the fact that they've been shooting this for so long, and the fact that this yeah. movie is going to come out next year, and they'll probably have to start shooting a sequel right after. So that's well, I gotta get used to saying next year because I'm used to thinking 2020. Mindset, 2020, oh, I know, right? Yeah, like oh yeah, that happened so like a year and a half away, but no, it's next year. It broke my heart. It broke my heart to remove that from my most anticipated of the year. Oh, Man, that would that would easily been number one, easily for me as well. All right, so yeah. that that wraps up the news, and let's get into it, fellas. Best. Well, let's start with the worst of 2020. I think this. Yeah, let's get let's get the crap out the way. I think I don't know if you guys agree. I think this year was actually a lot better despite the fact that we lost a lot of movies i 
I personally thought there was a lot of great films. What do you think overall of the year? Uh, Elliot, I'll start with you here. Um, it, it exceeded my expectations once we kind of heard word that there was going to be a lot of delays. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, we're going to be kind of used to mediocre stuff coming out. Um, but no, to to my uh, surprise, we got a lot of great uh, movies this year. And even with some pretty bad stuff, which was primarily, in my opinion, on streaming versus like movies that were like put on streaming after the fact that were supposed to hit theatrical uh, theaters. But I think it was a really solid, uh, solid year across the board. Of course, we didn't have the quote-unquote, the big blockbuster DC, Marvel, Star Wars stuff, but I thought we got a lot of good independent films, and I, and also I love that this year in, uh, introduced me to a lot of uh, first-time actors, or at least in my eyes, you know, people that are going to be superstars in the coming years, uh, directors that are going to be incredible, so I was really impressed with the uh, the quality that we got this year. JC, thoughts? No, yeah, similar to earlier, like, you know, like, like everybody, you know, once we started seeing, like, I remember when, I think it was like either No Time to Die, like when Fast nine like delayed. Everybody, you know, everybody was oh, you know, just one thing, but everything started delaying. You know, everybody thought that the whole year was going to shit, but then you know, then the streaming just like I said, like it helped out so much because you know, it's like so many movies got bought by streaming. You know, like Happiest Season Run. I mean, even though it didn't come out, but coming to America, so like at least I like definitely gave more attention to indies and to foreign films yeah i agree and then i don't know if you kept track elliot i know jc and i kept track uh on letterbox how many movies did you end up seeing this year jc um i got to 830 835 my goal was 850 nice so i i got almost there but to, i i watch a lot of tv shows so you know that sometimes kind of consumes like at least a good like two three weeks of binge search stuff yeah and what about you elliot do you keep track of that or you just go with the flow <laughs> No, I um I have a list on my letterbox with the the new movies I watched in 2020, and that was a uh, 137. Nice. So for me, new movies for me were 135, <laughs> and then total movies, uh, 1,157. Um, I work. I now those the, you guys those includes like those like rewatches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, 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 I, okay, I don't tally that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I'm working from home. My day job. I'm working from home. So while I'm working, I'd have movies playing pretty much all day. So that's how I'm able to. I get like 25 in a week. So that's probably that's why I've been able to get like at five o'clock. Yeah. No, I'm up at five o'clock every day anyway. So, um, but before we get to the movies, do we all agree? Probably the best thing on TV this year was Queen's Gambit. Anyone disagree on that? That's the best thing I saw all year. Period. Movie or TV show. <laughs> what? Uh, what about you, Elliot? Same thing. Uh, Dark season three. Nice. All right. Cool. All right. So let's get to our worst. JC, I'll kick it off with you. What's your ten through two worst films of the year? Okay. Um, Songbird. Because that that movie just straight up boring. It was like it should have just missed my list. Like remember when we when we heard you know when we heard of oh it, it shot during the pandemic or I was expecting something like outbreak or contagion. Instead, we got sort of a basically like a pandemic romance movie. Like, you know, that's not what we wanted. Um, my number nine, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that saw this from the three of us. The Jesus Rose, Rose, that's um the the spinoff to the Big Lebowski with John Turturro's character. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god! I remember like this is a perfect example of how some characters work better just being a little bit a part of not having a whole movie revolved around them because that movie just garbage and yeah, it's like a disgrace to the big lebowski um my number a is artemis file which i'm pretty sure i think we'll, all, all three of us will probably have it in our stuff <sighs> what what if it's on our best list jc you never know 
Um, I've seen that interview <laughs> for sure. It's not gonna be, and I know how personal, how much you 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 were probably, you're probably gonna have it lower than me. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> number seven is uh, Fatal Affair. That's the basically like one of the many black Fatal Attraction movies that was Netflix with Nia Long and Omar Epps. I like both those actors, so I was a little excited. Plus, I tend to like. Those I just tend to watch those movies just for fun. Sometimes I sometimes I have a good time with them, but this is just pure crap. Um, number six was you should have left. You should have left. That was um the Kevin Bacon movie. I know you didn't watch it, David. I don't know if you saw it earlier. That's the one that he was like he was a writer in the house or something. Like, yeah, I, I skipped yeah. that on that one. Yeah, yeah. It was like I was excited for it. it was like it's actually one of my most disappointing movies of the year because it was like um the same David Coop. I don't know if I said his last name right, but. They did stir up echoes together. I love that movie. So, you know, I was excited for the reunion and I was J- just let down. JC, was that a Blumhouse? Yeah, that was Blumhouse. That probably would have made money. Just thinking of Blumhouse. Yeah, I mean, because the budget was like $5 million. Like, it would have been releasing theaters. would have probably had like a solid opening week and then everything would have gone downhill once people saw the movie. Yep. My number five, I actually just saw it like three, four days ago. I had to watch it because everybody said it was the worst one. Yes. Like, the worst movie. Yes. Yes. And it's freaking the dragon colonoscopy that is Doolittle. Yes. So good. I, <laughs> so oh, good. yes. Oh, yeah. So good, my ass. Kind of scared. And the fact that, it, that the, the dragon colonoscopy was Robert Downey Jr.'s idea, I'm just like, yeah, please don't ever write a screenplay because I don't know what the hell you will come up with. Um, My number four is Capone. It was just like, he literally shit the bed with that movie. It was. I was very excited for it because you know, I was like, I love my movies and I remember when I told you about it, David, you had no idea about it, but I have been following the movie for like two years. So, like, I was so happy for it and everything. You know, like, I like Chronicles. So, I, I, you know, I wanted to see Josh Trank succeed after the failure that was Fat Four Stick. But yeah, he just, he's, def- he's the definition of a one hit wonder. That movie was horrible. Probably the worst mob movie I've ever seen in my life. Even worse <laughs> than Body. At, at least to me. Uh, number three was The Boy 2. Like I personally liked the boy, the first one, and it was a it was a solid Jack horror movie. That twist was pretty good because it didn't go the cliche route of you know of having of having the doll be possessed, which in turn this is how this this movie ended up being. And then my number two is the turning, which you know like the actually the only thing that I will always remember about this movie is the fact that when I was in theaters watching it was when um what's a theater the, JC what's a theater. It was a theater. It was this. It was this beautiful thing that we all used to come together to watch movies and just be cinephiles. <laughs> um, yeah, good times. <laughs> and um, the the one thing I'm always going to take away from this movie is the fact that when I was watching it was when Kobe died. R.I.P. Like I remember when my fiance told me she was like Kobe Bryant just died. I was you know I literally had to tell her, get the fuck out of here. And she showed me and I was just like it took me. The movie was already sucking as it was. But after after that news, it was just like I just tuned out of the whole movie. Have you rewatched it since? Hell no, I never will. I'd rather watch The Blind Matter, which which is um much better. The same novel. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, that's my. All right, uh, Elliot. What do you got? All right. So a lot of these, yeah, I'm just looking at my list. A lot of these are like streaming movies, but coming in at number ten for me was uh, The Craft Legacy. I, I thought that film was just really kind of poorly written and and kind of unnecessary um number yeah yeah oh my gosh that david the company (laughs) oh my gosh our last airbender battle fight was ridiculous (laughs) um number nine was uh uh hulu's bad hair 
really cool premise, especially growing up in the black community, especially growing up with a single mom who literally I spent like eight hours at a beauty salon and just all that stuff. So it was a really cool uh, concept, but they just kind of dropped the ball and just like didn't have a good mixture of it. It's really hard to find a good comedy horror and it this wasn't it. Um, number eight for me is a Netflix film, Last Days of American Crime with uh, Edgar Ramirez. It is like a two and a half hour that's bunch exactly of nonsense. It. <laughs> it was the it was like the like the worst paced movie I've ever seen in my life. It was terrible, uh, and it was a really cool concept as well. But they man, they dropped the ball on that. It was like a really terrible, unnecessarily long film. Uh, number seven. Speaking of unnecessary, uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf's tattoo and tattoo <laughs> David Ayer has fallen off of his. Not necessarily thrown, but I mean, you look at his early days, his early work, him being a writer. I don't know what's going on with David Ayer. Uh, someone needs to check in on him. But that text selector did not work for me at all. Um, it just was not a good movie. Uh, number six for me is uh, it was going to be a toss up between the, uh, the sex film 365 DNI, but I went oh, with the uh, one I skipped. Yeah, that one was. <laughs> That one's wild, but I, I replaced that with Dangerous Lies, which is a Netflix film. Uh, it has a girl with Riverdale, and I can't think of her name right now. Like Camilla Mendes. Yeah, Camilla Mendez and the guy that plays um, in The Boys. He's the oh my uh, the God, I hate him. Uh, Usher, Usher, something Usher. like that. Yeah, that movie, dude. Uh, like it is uh, like the bottom of the barrel, like Lifetime, like love, romance, crime, thriller. It's it's really bad. Uh, going to my number five, which I'm surprised this wasn't my number one after I saw, but it, it's number five. And that's Fantasy Island. Clubhouse um, <laughs> just continues to show that they just make movies and don't even like read the scripts or have like screeners <laughs> to uh, do to check the runs. Like that film to me would just drop the ball completely. Uh, number four is Antebellum. Another concept that could have been really neat. It it, it twists itself forty minutes that into the film. I would have so would have stuck into that forty minutes. They would have really hit the nail there. But they went to this modern times and the acting and the stereotypes to me was just embarrassing. Uh, coming in number three was the Amazon kind of collective. Uh, I think it was called Welcome to the Blumhouse uh, with yeah. the four films, The Lie. Oh. Oh my goodness! That, that twist, twist in that film pissed me <laughs> off. And those parents in that movie was like some of the most unlikely nope. characters this year. Oh my goodness, the lie. Which actually, now just thinking of that, those, those actors, I have to put this in here. Maybe with a three-way tie, um, Greenland with Gerard Butler. Those parents oh. pissed me the hell off in that film. Like they were just like, we're more important than anyone else. I will, I will never forgive that family for what they did at that runway with the uh, the families on the plane, and then like, well, you're yeah. not gonna go. We don't get all that. Like completely pissed me off. But nonetheless, going in at number two. Is uh, I think I have Artemis Fowl at number two, which was just Kenneth Branagh. I don't even know if movie. he was like sleeping directing that or that film was a mess a from mess. top to bottom. Oh yeah, complete mess. I, yeah. Alrighty, so I have some honorable mentions here. Last thing he wanted, I like a boss, and I mean it should have. Sh- Ellie, I don't I'm know. Surprised if- it wasn't in your ten. Nah, man, because like. There's just a hate I have for Tiffany Haddish. I can't just put her in my number 10 just because I hate her. Um, it's like a Josh Gad movie. I can't just put Josh Gad in my, in my number, in my top 10, even though he is in my top 10 for another movie. Um, I didn't even know he came out with a movie this year. Oh, he did. And we, you, it's on your 10 too, my friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, he argued. I forgot <laughs> he that yeah, the, the Minotaur or whatever character that, he was. That's, yeah. that's so, that tells you a lot how, how forgettable that movie is. <laughs> uh, Bloodshot. Um, it's... I just yeah, it's, it's more forgettable than bad. Uh, 
Songbird. <laughs> it just missed my 10. And then I guess oh, I forgot about Songbird. I to- that's how bad that I totally <laughs> forgot about that movie. Even I know, know, I, know I, 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 I saw I your review and I'm surprised it wasn't. Oh man, I forgot I, about. It. Wait, there's honorable mention there. <laughs> I felt like, I felt like David Lynch was playing mind tricks with me and making me feel like an 80 minute, minute movie was four hours because that that so long. It was so long. And then I guess this is my most disappointing film, and it's just it it's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. It was just disappointing for me and a hillbilly elegy. It's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. It just really, it just was my biggest disappointment of the year. Now, let's get to the fun stuff. My number 10, I'm glad that Elliot had it on his list because I thought I was the only person on, on Netflix that saw this, Dangerous Lies. Um, I actually saw this. I was uh, building a Lego set, a Batmobile, 1989 Batmobile Lego set with my wife. And she's like, just put, and she's like, just put something on. And I, I saw it and I'm like, all right, this could be some decent background noise. And then while we're building, we're just glued to the TV to like how bad this fucking movie was. And then there's a twist at the end that JC, oh you should, my. you should, you could uh, say, I don't care. I'm not, oh, no, I'll no. watch the just lawyer. Say. It is so bad. Uh, my number nine is Artemis Fowl. So it's a lot, a lot higher. higher. Yeah. But I saw, I saw some shutter, gar- uh, another movie down here that's from shutter that's, hot garbage that took its spot artemis file you guys kind of nailed it if it, it felt like a poor man's harry potter yeah like it, all in one location yeah all in one location. Like years too late like i wrote in my uh what i wrote in my review it's harry potter without the world building <laughs> exactly uh number <laughs> next up next up on my list is i i think i'm the only one that would have seen this it's a shutter release it's called confessional I don't know if you, you guys told me to watch it, but I never got around to it. It God. is it. There's a twist, obviously, but it pretty much sometimes one location movies are cool. Like we have um, Unfriended. I kind of dig that. But this is just different teens going into a confessional talking about certain events that happen. And then there's a twist that just completely I mean, it was already on on the path to being in the worst list. But there's a twist at the end that just completely shuts me out. Next up. Listen, I know Sandler told us that he was going to do this. I just didn't think it was going to be as bad because uh, JC wrote a review for JC wrote a review for the site and I'm like, "Okay, it's probably not going to be up my alley, but maybe it'll just be, you know, okay." But I told you you weren't going to like it. Oh, Hubie Halloween. It is absolute garbage. After what I saw last year with Uncut Gems, then I see this. I'm just like, oh man, Sandman. I love you, Sandman. But he has range, man. He has yeah, that range. is that definitely is range. Yeah, his hustle, hustle looks be- sounds like it's gonna be better. It does, than his yeah. Next, next that does look good. Show. I will say, um, and JC spoke and, and I spoke about this on the line. June Squibb is hilarious in this, though. I I hate the movie, but she is actually really solid in this. Uh, next up, Doolittle. It is making me wish that RDJ just went back and does voiceovers for the mcu for the rest of his life and doesn't do anything original because or any remakes or anything along those lines because this is not it uh it's it does fall under the it's so bad it's hilarious though i did laugh a few times there uh, i mean ne- his next role is not even any better oh what's he doing next remember he he's got he has a cameo in um in jamie fox um directory debut he's gonna play a mexican oh, yes 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 that's, that's not gonna be any good <laughs> you, it's funny we all we all watch the nba but you know how dated that is when they're wearing adidas uh cleveland cavalier jerseys since they're not with it they exactly. haven't been with adidas in like three years uh next up here i have brams the boy too similar to jc i kind of dug the first one um 
but this one just wasn't it. Next up from next up after that is one that it's on Elliot's list, and I really, really hope that the premise is just so interesting that I thought Blumhouse could actually do a good job, Fantasy Island. But the movie is cookie cutter to the max. There's nothing really interesting about any of the characters. It's uh, a wasted opportunity there. Next up, my number three is The Turning. JC nailed it. We we can watch Bly Manor and be very happy with that. Number two is probably both of yours number ones, I think. Uh, the Grudge. And I, I think JC can take it from here because I know that's his number one. Yeah, that's the one of the worst movies I've ever sat through in a theater. Like, I gave it a 0.5 out of 5 in my review just simply because I'm the, I don't know how to say her last name, but Andrea, the one that was in Possessor, mm-hmm. I thought she was really good in it. But besides that, that, there was nothing I liked about that movie at all. Like, it just straight hot garbage. Like, if it wasn't for her, I would have given it a 0 out of 5. What about- I, I don't really got much else to say about that. And what about you, Elliot? What's your worst film of the year? I, I do want to plug in. I know you mentioned your most disappointing. Uh, I forgot to mention this on my list. My most disappointing movie this year was uh, Train of Bastan, uh, Peninsula. Mm-hmm. I was Train of Bastan is like one of my favorite zombie horror films of all yeah, time. And the sequel, thing. it wasn't terrible. The sequel wasn't like the worst film this year, but I was just so disappointed, but just because of how great that first one was. So, uh, but my number one is actually uh, Coffee and Kareem. Co- <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That is just like stereotypical cookie cutter jokes from 20 years ago. Uh, Ed Helms, yeah, that it little very kid, cringe. it's just like curse, just to curse, just to be vulgar. Just like it was just like it was just terrible. And then uh, uh, Betty um, uh, Giplin, I believe her name is. Yeah, she was. She the was the only thing that, that saved. Yeah, she was the only thing that saved that film from being like a complete zero. But that, that film to me was just like a complete <laughs> waste of time. And nice. And then my number one is Capone. I. Love the mob genre. It's my favorite genre of all time. Um, I think that um, Josh Trank should not direct another movie in his life because I this. For the dude. I don't because it, it's one of those <laughs> like you. You had five years, my dude. You had five years to do something, and you thought I understand where he was going, what he was trying to accomplish with the whole. You know, he's Capone is just falling apart as a man, as a human being. But I I don't get where shitting and shitting himself about six times in the movie was it like I don't know where where that concept said you know that made it past the first draft like that legit metaphor yeah yeah it's yeah dude it certainly is and I personally think and I I don't know if you guys would agree Tom Hardy hasn't really been great since The Revenant I can't may, may he has like a small role in. Dunkirk, but I don't think he's really been really great I mean, since the Revenant. Not really much. I mean, he he's been doing good stuff in TV. Like he was, he's good in Peaky Blinders. He was good in Taboo. Mm. But, but movie wise, he's been struggling. Do you guys? Um, I I may be on the island on my own. Do you think what his best performance? What do you what do you, what do you throw that on? Uh, for me, it's probably uh Bronston. Okay. Yeah, same here. Oh, okay. I I, I have one. Uh, who's a lot? I like Locke a lot. I think was that, was that the name of it? The the yeah, film yeah, in the car. Yeah. yeah. I I love him. I love him in Warrior and. Oh yeah, yeah, it's up there too. And then yeah. I actually am a very big fan of his performance in The Dark Knight Rises. I know it's cliche. Yeah, me too. You know, yeah. I, I, we, me when too. we did our Nolan episode, we all gave a lot of positive stuff about him. All right, all right. So let's get to the best of the year. This one, it's good stuff. Definitely good stuff this year. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to – I'll kick it off this time around, and I, I do have a few honorable mentions I wanted to mention. There's two document, – well, three documentaries in here that I did want to give some love to. Um, 
the orange years, the Nickelodeon story. I know that I I think I'm the oldest one here. So Nickelodeon, when I was growing up, was kind of it for me. And the documentary pretty much covers the infancy of Nickelodeon as a network and through the heyday of the early 90s and how they were able to gain such a large audience until Suits came in and decided to change how the network was run. And then, you know, you know how things go. The other documentary that I do recommend you to, if you guys have a chance to watch it, is called The Last Blockbuster. So it pretty much touches on. Oh, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, so it it doesn't just touch on the fact that one that there's only one blockbuster video left. It touches on what led to the downfall of blockbuster, how they were able. Netflix. To, no, actually, one of the CEOs, one of the former CEOs of Blockbuster, actually said it wasn't Netflix. So, and he touches. I don't want to spoil as to why, but he touches on certain business deals that happened outside of that because at the time, um, in 2008 or 2009, they were actually starting to think about streaming and they had a little bit more they had the bigger name brand at the time so they were kind of neck and neck with netflix at the time when they both were starting to stream they should have but what the problem was is that certain business deals that kind of bankrupted blockbuster prevented them from moving forward and they bankrupted the company so there's a lot of more detail on it in the documentary but it's definitely one that i would definitely recommend and there's some honorable mentions here uh sound of metal minari uh, Invisible Man, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Possessor, uh, Buffaloed, and then these um, these two last honorable mentions, it's pretty much my 10, 11, 12. It was so hard to pick, but I went with the one um, that was the biggest shock in terms of me actually loving it. So my last two honorable mentions are Charlie Chicago 7 and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, two of the, uh, two of the best performances of the year, Chadwick should be winning that Oscar, so hopefully he becomes the third posthumous winner. Um, so yeah, my number ten is Nomadland. JC, JC oh, can attest to this. There is no reason for me to even anticipate that I was gonna like this movie. It sounded at all because it sounded like the most boring thing, the most pretentious, like cinephile thing someone could I love. Remember you was like, you was like, you could. That's all you. That's you could yeah. write that for the site, no problem. But <laughs> it is such an engaging film and. You pretty it feels like a documentary into the lives of these people, and Chloe Zhao actually uses real uh real people in the film, which adds a le- such a level of authenticity. Um, Frances McDormand is incredible as always. I think this is mo- this is one of her best performances, JC. I think, but it's her most subdued. I'll performance. say like her third or fourth. Yeah, um, she's fantastic. Hey, quick question: Is that yes. does it get you excited for uh, the Eternals? Just curious. It's gonna it um, it excites me. It can maybe excite JC and yourself. If this is the direction she goes for their Eternals, it's gonna be. It's not gonna work for a lot of people. Like casual film watchers, it's not gonna work for them because it's a. It's a very methodically paced film. Like you're going to be sitting there just. Essentially, it's a movie about nothing because you're just getting to know Francis, her character, and everyone that lives around her. But there's no that real. Gets me excited. Though. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just the character. If you say she's like a character focused uh, director, I would love because again, I don't really know the Eternals that well, so she's able to pull out the the best and the worst of these characters. I'm really looking forward to see what they can offer them. That's sentient beans. That's what that's what ex- that's what excites me because I I've read one Eternals book in my life and I don't mm. remember anything about it, so I don't really know much about the Eternals. So that aspect of it, I love that it would be a character-based film, but you know how some cas- casuals are just like, yeah. where's the action if we don't get I the action? I divisive. Yeah, I think so. It may be the most yeah. divisive Marvel film in a while if she goes in the direction. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think nothing beats Captain Marvel. In terms of divisiveness? Yeah, bro. You seen the art? Uh, I guess you're right. Sport? It's yeah. like 40%. Yeah. People are silly. Um, so, yeah, my number 10 is Nomadland. My number 9, it just made the cut um, just for my level of entertainment. I don't think it's better than Nomadland. I just think it's extremely entertaining and just the ideas and that he is trying to do in this film. So, 10, it's my number 9. Uh, my number eight is a film that I am the only one that's going to have on this list, but I am a huge fan of this director. I am a huge fan of this actor. The movie may not be for everyone, but on the rocks. I love Bill Murray's performance. Oh, I expected it to be higher. Yeah. So that's remember when I, we spoke that certain things shifted. So yeah, on the rocks, oh, okay. on the rocks is my number eight. I think the direction is fantastic and it, it does. It's a modern and disguised persona non grata, but it, it feels like Sofia Coppola took the mantle of like the Woody Allen New York film. And that's what On the Rocks feels like. It's such a great little film that I, I know a lot of people just let it pass by and it may not be for everyone, but I, I loved it. And my number seven is One Night in Miami. I think that Ellie and me have it on his list too. Um, it is, I, I appreciate the fact that Regina King tried to make this more of a film rather than just a play and that's a difficult thing to do because like i like fences but fences feels ext- it does feel like a play one night in miami doesn't feel like that for me and it has four incredible performances and i don't know if you would agree ellie and i think it's one of those movies that you it's very shocking this is regina's first film she's directed because she it is impeccably directed and yeah that's my number seven and then my number six to finish off is soul I uh, saw it last week, Christmas Day, and it, for me, it's top tier Pixar. There's so much emotion in the last few minutes of that film to add to like the the great performances as well, and then Trent Reznor and Attica Ross's score is top notch. So I'll hand it I over. I think that's the one they win the Oscar for. You think they're gonna win it for that? That'd be interesting. Yeah, not Mank. Uh, all right, take it over, Ellie. Uh, Elliot, what do you got? What's your uh, top ten best? Ten through six. 10 to 6. Yeah. So, uh, honorable mentions here. Um, I have, and this, I know this film, it's not even labeled as a film, it's more of a TV series, but I do want to show some love to the small act series uh, from Mangrove, uh, Lovers Rock, yes. and Red, White, and Blue, and uh, Education. Steve McQueen did his thing all distinctively different, but still connective all together. It was an incredible, uh, uh, I guess, anthology series to watch as a whole. Uh, so, definitely want to shout that out. Elliot, let me ask you, because I just saw that for the first time. Is Mangrove your best out of the bunch? Red, White, and Blue, actually, is my my favorite, just because of the performance of uh, John Boyega and also just kind of the times I ran in regarding to having change from within. I just thought John Boyega had one of the more better performances. And I mean, Mangrove with, you know, all the the, the cast in there was fantastic. But I thought just narratively speaking, following his, uh, you know, his journey and knowing that, you know, a lot of these uh, stories were, were, were real life people. Red, White, and Blue was probably my favorite. Then Mangrove came in at number two. Nice. Uh, but as far yeah, other honorable, honorable mentions, uh, Wolf Walkers on Apple TV Plus. I really enjoyed the animation. I thought the animation was beautiful and the story was great. Um, as well as what else do we have here? Mank, um, Possessor, 
The Invisible Man, which was my number one film for a, a good part. Well, one of my number one films for a good part of the year. And then obviously more films came out. But it, uh, uh, Invisible Man was great. Lee Wanell has a bright future uh, after coming off of that and upgrade. So, And then uh, other honorable mention is The Way Back with uh, Ben Affleck. Nice. That yeah, was, that's uh, great. Really great performance and a really good sports movie that really didn't focus on sports, which kind of rubbed me the wrong. I was like, oh, man, I really want to learn more for these uh, these uh, kids. But it was more of obviously Ben Affleck's story and his uh, facing his uh, – his, his demons Personal. in that film so yeah uh but cracking and my number 10 is uh, sound of metal i was absolutely floored by that film i watched i remember watching the screener it was on my laptop uh didn't even want to connect to my tv i was like let me just check it out i love <laughs> a riz i but i was like let me just see what this is about and i was it was 11 o'clock at night and i was just like so like locked in and they thought the performance is great olivia cook adds a nice layer to it and just the the idea of being content with this guy who's a rock metal noisy living his life on the edge to being content with uh you know silence and and, and the deaf community being implemented in the story and his relationship with the um the main guy that ran that community, I thought those scenes were just so intense and so endearing and just so like real and authentic. So that film to me was just like filmmaking in regards to just uh, uh, capturing uh, my attention to the to the tenth, tenth, to the highest degree. So that comes in at number ten for me. Uh, number nine is my favorite comedy of the year and also romantic comedy, which is Palm Springs. Yes, that yes. film surprised the hell out of me. Um, Take spinning, you know. I always love when you have the mixture of genres, romantic comedy. We've seen it a million times, but what can we do something new? Which is the time travel, uh, happy death day, Groundhog Day approach to it. The, the deaths, the comedy that was involved in it. J.K. Simmons adds another layer to it. I, I love that film. The pieces this is my favorite comedy of 2020. Um, coming in at number eight is my favorite horror film of 2020, which is His House. Wumi Mushaku and Shape Dirche was were. Uh, their, their stories were incredible. Uh, Remy Meeks is, uh, as I had mentioned, as far as like introducing me to new people in 2020, I cannot wait to see what his next project is. I was absolutely blown away by that film. And uh, like I said, it's my favorite horror film of 2020. Uh, coming in at number seven is Mr. Christopher Nolan's Tenet. It's my favorite score of the year. Yes, uh, so good. By Ledwood. I, I listen to that all the time. Uh, <laughs> 747 is one of my favorite tracks. But it's the, it's as they say in the film, don't try to understand it. Just feel just, it. And it's yep. just, you know, just watching the filmmaking and Christopher Nolan's at the top of his game. Uh, it, I think Dunkirk's probably more ambitious, Dunkirk and Interstellar, but this film, on the scale of the inversion and, and just the, the, the script and the, you know, the, the relationship, the bromance that we get with our protagonist and Neil, uh, it's, it, it was the only film I actually saw outside of my house because I saw it at a drive-in. That's the only film I saw besides watching on TV. So it adds another layer to that as well. Uh, so Tina comes in at number seven. And then number six is uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. As I said in my review, I, I didn't like, I think you even said with One Night Miami, I feel the same way about this film. I didn't feel like I was watching a play, even though we were only confined to a basement and to a, a recording studio. I was just so uh, invested in the story. I was invested in those conversations that the band members were having. And uh, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. I think that this is, uh, if not his best performance, one of his best performances of his career. Uh, he left us with some great gems this year, and this is one of them. And Viola Davis is the queen or the mother of blues. The the idea of growing up in a house of jazz and blues and knowing how music was taken from the black community and, and made it popular by you know white people a la Elvis and, and many other people. It was just so many great things about that film that I love, and that's why I came in at my number six. Nice. Uh, my name's Black Bottom. I got to ask, because uh, JC and I have had this discussion, because uh, before I had seen it in early November, and I told JC that I think Viola's supporting. Do you think she's supporting, or do you think she's lead? 
That's a great question. Um, <laughs> to me, I think she's the lead just because of. I mean, they're all it's, it's centered around her, right? She she's the one they have to go to the recording store. They have to wait for her. It's you know we even get her backstory, kind of understanding why she's having this pushback versus these white producers and this um, you know her manager. So I I I think she's the lead, but I mean I wouldn't be mad if you know people considered uh, Levy's character as a lead as well, uh, Chadwick Boseman's character. No. All right, uh, JC, take it away. Um, well, I have four honorable measures, which is essentially my like eleven to fourteen, but Mank. No Man Deerskin, which I'm the only one that saw that. That's on with the guy that from the artist. I don't know how to say his name, but Gene. That basically was um, he is like a middle aged divorcee, and he gets this coat that he buys that he becomes like obsessed with it, and it's like kind of like sort of like not 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 it's like becomes like a body possessor or anything like that. But it he like feels like he's like the only person that should have like a jacket and. And he just started like turning into a life of crime. Like he started recording the crimes he does, like killing people. It's really interesting stuff. It's a friend film. Uh, my number eleven basically will be Palm Springs. And, like I Boom. had a hard time keeping it. Was that you, David? Or David or was. <laughs> Should have been in your time. <laughs> I mean, it could have switched when I actually posted on my page because I'm still debating. But my number ten is um, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that saw this as well. Is um. Is a coming of age movie called Words Words on Bathroom Walls is with um Charlie Plummer from All the Money in the World and Taylor Russell from Ways. Basically, um Charlie Plummer's character, he's like he has like schizophrenia, like and it's like a really, really amazing performance. Probably one of the most realistic portrayals I've ever seen of schizophrenia on, on film. Really underrated film. Like if you guys haven't seen it, you should maybe check it out. Um my number nine is the Invisible Man. It's like actually made it the whole year through it. Like I think be, I don't know why Blumhouse and Universal is not running a Oscar campaign for um Elizabeth Moss because like after to me I think, after um, can, can I can I try to guess that I th- I don't yeah. know if you guys agree they so Blumhouse is with Universal us is the Universal I think after what happened with Lupita Link last year which I think was probably the best female performance of the year they're probably mm-hmm. like they're probably like nah well we're gonna skip this one. <laughs> No, yeah, if Lupita can get it, she wasn't going to get in. But I feel like, I don't know, for me, after Carrie Mulligan, that's the best female performance I saw all year. Like, like Elias said, like, Lee Wano has a bright future in him. Like, this upgrade. Like, I can't wait to see how, what he does with Wolfman with Ryan Gosling. Like, I feel it's going to be some really great stuff. Um, My number eight is Marvin his Black Bottom. Same things you guys said. Probably, I mean, to me, it's Chadwick's best performance. I, for a long time, it was, it was, um, his performance as James Brown, I never thought he was going to be able to top that, but he sure did with this. It was just like, to me, it felt very cinematic. It doesn't feel like a play. I know you feel a little different, David, but like, I don't know, like, I, there is parts obviously that you could tell is a play, but I felt like it was the, the camera angles and just the performance elevated it from feeling too much like a play. Uh, my number seven is Another Round. This is a movie that I did not expect to like, the, I mean, love the way I did, but it was just really amazing stuff. It's just like, you know, it was like, Basically about these group of friends that like four teachers that they was it like point five, David? Like they have to like they get if they get their alcohol level to point point five. I think it's point five. And then as the movie yeah, progresses, like, the alcohol level keeps going up. Yeah, like it's like basically like it's tackling like because I guess um Denmark has a big thing where alcoholism is an issue. So I feel like it's like it's like trying to make like as a social commentary of alcoholism in that country. And number six is Soul. It's the same everything you said, David. Just like to me, it's top tier 
Pixar. Like I remember this. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who say it's their best Pixar, their favorite Pixar movie already. Like is Pete Doctors to me. He's just like I called the Russo brothers the MVPs of Marvel. I call I to me. I think Pete Doctors the MVP of Pixar. You know, you got Monsters in, you got Up, Inside Out. Now you got Soul. Like anything this man touches is like is gonna hit at. At the heart, it's gonna pull the heart strings, and it's gonna be some really amazing stuff. Yeah, top. I I don't think he has nothing outside of top tier Pixar, because even yeah, mon- like, like <laughs> to some Monsters Inc is their favorite. I mean, it's in my top. I think I believe it's in my top ten. But like, it's it just yeah, all, shows how great all, he is. All, all four of his movies are in my top ten Pixar. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, so I'll I'll keep going here. My number five is uh, the Five Bloods. As the Five Blood starts picking up steam in the Oscar race, it kind of just kept picking up steam for me in my top ten. I just kept thinking about it and going back to Delroy's performance, and they're the one, the most tense scene outside of A Quiet Place Two that JC and I probably saw last year was the the mine scene. And, oh my uh, god! It is. I I I I haven't. My wife hasn't seen it, and I've been trying to push her to see it. She's. She's a little intimidated. She doesn't like war films, but I told her it's like a little bit more than it's not really a war film at all. Yeah, it's, it's more than that. Yeah, so I'm trying to get her just to see her reaction during that mind scene. But outside of that, Spike's direction is impeccable. It actually wouldn't shock me if he slips in in a director five. Just seeing and that making history. Yeah, and I think he could win because the movie seems to be really picking up steam at the right time. Um, outside of that, the score while subtle, I do enjoy the score of the film. Deroy's great. Uh, Chadwick, I'm. I have him in supporting actor right now. He does what he needs to do, and there's a beautiful image going on right now on social media. I think Spike shared of just him with like. A, oh yeah, when, he, when he's praying with yep. the hands, I mean, like the hands to the side, like he looks, like he's looking up to the sky. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful shot. But yeah, the five blood is fantastic. Uh, Spike Lee's on a roll, man. Uh, do you think that Viagra movie is going to keep the, ro- the train rolling? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I, Viagra musical. Like I said, I'd rather him tackle Prince of Cats, which is like a. Romeo and Juliet story set in like 1980s Brooklyn with hip hop. Like I feel that's more Spike style. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right, and then next up for me is Palm Springs. It's uh, my favorite. I guess you can say one of my films left is a is a comedy in a way. Uh, but yeah, Palm Springs is actually my is definitely my biggest surprise of the year. I really didn't think I was gonna love it as much as I did because I'm not really a big um, Andy Samberg fan. But he was actually legit good. Chris Emiliotti is. With me, it was just more like the plot being overdone, like Ellis said with Happy Death Day and Groundhog Day and all these other movies. Like, what I really loved about it is the fact that usually with these Groundhog Day movies, we're kind of taken to it from the beginning. But the fact that we're jumping already in to him being there for so, for what did he say? It was years at that point, right? Yeah, there was like a theory going on that he had been there for like, like 40 years. Yeah, so it it works for me. The comedy is great, and I'm not really big on romantic comedies, but this fa- this hit on every single level. <laughs> uh, next up is I love I I just want to before I say what my number three is, I want to give shout out to the Hollywood Foreign Press for authenticating my choice in my number three film and labeling labeling it as a movie because my number three is Hamilton. Oh God, um, it is a movie. I've said no, no, it's, it's in my top twenty. It just I shouldn't I shouldn't known that it was gonna be high on yours. Uh, I mean, I've seen it on Broadway with that original cast. If you guys think it's as good, it's it's great on Disney Plus. It was such an incredible feeling to be in the room where it happens. Like everything about that hits me. It's probably the most diverse film of the year. Um, and it tackles. It makes. I'm a big history buff, but for some people, it 
they're not and it makes history very interesting i'm an old hip-hop head so seeing lin-manuel like homage like 10 crack commandments uh, like very obscure biggie song to casual <laughs> hip-hop goers i love 10 crack commandments so the fact that they were able to use it in this in this musical and it works so well it's kudos to that um also i never thought i wanted to see thomas jefferson and 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 alexander hamilton battle rap but i did and it was wonderful to see uh yeah i any anytime i could talk about hamilton i can and that's my number three and then my did you understand that idea no i haven't oh yeah it's on the list man it is when i say you're going to love it i i am very confident i mean i know you very well yet but I can guarantee that you will love Hamilton, especially if you're like if you're an old hip hop head like like JC and I are, you're going to appreciate a lot of the tributes he has to like Mob Deep, old Nas, old Biggie, old Jay-Z. It's, it's so, so, so great. And then my number two is a curveball to JC. Uh, my number two is Mank. Uh, yeah. Mank was made for someone like me. I, I, I know it's like, I, I'm such a fucking snob for old Hollywood that like, it's Fincher very, making his most, I think, controversial film in terms of like the divisiveness of it. Um, I think that everything about Mank in terms of the filmmaking, we talk about, we talked about it last month. It's a technical marvel. But for me, it just works on the aspect of me loving old Hollywood and seeing that story. Not more of the making of Mank, but the actual politics of Hollywood at the time. That interests me. I mean, I, you know, it's a subject matter that may not interest a lot of people, but it really interested me. It was engaging. Uh, Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried are fantastic. And I think that, uh, I disagree with JC on this. I think this is what wins the score for Trent and Atticus. But I mean, it could be one or the other, but I think I'm going with Mank. And then, yeah, that's my number two. Elliot, take it away. All right. So coming in at number five for me is I'm sorry, my list kind of literally went away. Uh, hold on one second. Let me pull it up here. Um, <clears throat> here we go. So number five was uh, One Night in Miami. Uh, you, you guys said it earlier. Uh, Regina King can do no wrong in my eyes. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, she she she's been in some incredible films of her career. She's uh, kind of had this. I don't want to say renaissance because she's been great her whole career. But this last like five years or so yeah. with, whether it be you know movies or television with Watchmen and leftovers she's just clicking on all cylinders uh if bill street can talk i mean she is just great and she brings all that stuff you know and she's directed like episodes of tv but she's taking all that stuff that knowledge and just implementing this film i thought the direction was great the performances of sam cook and jim you know uh jim brown and muhammad ali and this the the, the absolute character that stole the film for me was malcolm x and betrayal yep. malcolm x was the best besides uh, denzel washington told you jc was incredible um the uh, kingsley uh his last name's with me right now he was like all of them were fantastic but i think for me malcolm x and sam cook they're back and forth and also malcolm x and muhammad ali and him you know converting to islam the film is incredible <laughs> like the film is oh, yeah. incredible I love it so much. I can't wait for everyone to check it out here in uh, and, weeks. But uh, and yeah, that's I wanna, number five. And yeah. did you, uh, Elliot on, on One Night in Miami. I, I love the fact that the movie is kind of like the last time that all these people are not public figures in a way. Like they're not controversial figures. You have like that one last instance where Muhammad Ali still cashes clay. He just won the World Heavyweight Championship. Malcolm X is is starting to become a, a name it's just so it just touches on like the perfect time in each person's life so yeah i wanted so to like throw that out there right uh get that exact date for you 64 i think oh, okay. 
but you might be right though. Um, but it is the Adam the uh, yeah sixty four. Yeah, it's uh, okay. uh, February nineteen sixty four. Yeah, I figured it was something like that. Yeah, the, the celebrating the night that he beat uh, Muhammad Ali beat uh, Sonny Liston. So yep. yeah, it, it's it's incredible. I got uh, and yeah, yeah, it's it's great, man. I can't wait to get your thoughts on it. Uh, coming in at number four is Promising Young Woman. Um, this film to me, I, and this was one of those scenarios where I was kind of nervous because I've had heard from uh, you guys, you know, <laughs> me, from you guys, yeah, hearing from you how great it was, hearing from other people how great it was. I'm just like, I hope it doesn't, you know, one of those things is like, ah, it doesn't really resonate. But no, it, it, it floored me. I love that it kind of um, played again. And again, going back to just me being a horror fan, I love the leaving it to the audience to kind of your imagination of what's going on. What is she doing to these men? And just that kind of, uh, is she, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but you know, is she killing them or not and all that stuff. But, uh, the relationship with Bo Burnham, who I'm a big fan of Bo. So it was kind of cool to see him implemented in the story. And also the way that they kind of, they, they, they hired, they casted comedians, guys that were, no, you know, we love these guys. They're funny, but then they kind of yeah, put man. the spin on like, well, you know, the, the smile only goes so deep, you know, what's really going on with these, these guys in the film. And of course, you know, Mulligan performance of a lifetime. I've always been a fan of hers, but this is her. This is this is her Tour de France uh, performance. She was great, and of course that controversial ending, which I'm coming to appreciate more. Uh, when I first saw it, I'm just like, ah, I don't know if I like it, but it, it definitely kind of you know. It's, uh, the more and more I think about it, and I, I can't wait to rewatch it uh soon but it, it, it's a fantastic film it's it's poppy it's it's a thriller it's a psychological thr- drama it, it touches on the rape culture i mean it's just a, a fantastic film and it, it speaks to um who i'm a big fan of uh um uh, killing eve it, it, which is a fantastic yes. show and she brings in her sensibilities from that show because she was the show uh, showrunner of season two um and it's just a, a, a fantastic film through and through and that's my number four uh, my number three is uh, one of my top tier Spike Lee films, and that is The Five Bloods. Um, the last decade or so for Mr. Lee for me has been kind of hit or miss, but this is Vincent Spike Lee for me in regards to just the in-your-face nature of the story, the camera angles, the score, of course the performances, uh, especially from you know uh, Delroy, who I think is a pretty much a lock at this point in my opinion, and, and the conversations amongst him and Chadwick Boseman's character, the brothership, the brotherhood that they have in the film. You know, Jonathan Majors is just, uh, again, I was talking about earlier in regards to, I already knew who he was, but whether it's this or yeah. Love for Country, and then now he's going to be in the Marvel Universe. He's just a, a superstar right at the cusp of just blowing this world up. So I thought he was great. And then, you know, it's just a matter of the films are actually like a great, legit film. It, it touches on so many topics and themes and those monologues are incredible. As you had mentioned, the mind scene is just so intense and the, the father and son relationship and the, you know, going to get their, the bones of their brother and it's a gold involved. I mean, this is Spike Lee kind of top tier for me. So that's why it's coming in at number three. And then my number two is uh, a film that I think is the front runner uh, for best picture. Uh, and I think he's a, 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 a he's becoming a, gr- a really good director, but he's still one of the best writers in Hollywood. And that's uh, uh, The Trial of Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin. Um, courtroom dramas are not really my cup of tea, uh, but this one just had me like so engaged throughout the entire film. Talk about performances from top to bottom. Um, another guy who's just like knocking out of the park is Yaya. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, him as Bobby Seal. Those scenes, even though they were smaller scenes, those scenes stole. He was a scene stealer for me that entire film. And I mean, he is just blowing up. Uh, and I, I can't wait to see Candyman and you know Matrix Four and uh, Mad yep. Max. This guy is just like literally killing. He is a superstar. 
Uh, but he was great. Again, I think Aaron Sorkin still has some things to work out as a director, but it, it, his scripts are just so incredible. To yeah, me. he's and still a better writer so, than director. Yeah, sure. the scripts is like, you know, it's, it's a character. It's just the rhythm. It's the flow. It's the, the way he writes. And also, obviously, the delivery of the lines were fantastic from Sasha Baron Cohen and Jeremy Strong, who I love. So I really enjoyed this film. And, and, and it hit at a perfect time, very similar to The Five Bloods, regarding the subject matter and, you know, the coming off of the, the Vietnam War and protesting. So I thought it was just one of those, uh, not necessarily time capsules, but it just hit me at a, at a really good point when it came out. So that's my... Yeah, it feels very timely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I actually, um, we spoke about this, uh, maybe like not last month, the month before, about politi- political events happening. I think if the election went in another way, I think Trial of Chicago, Chicago 7 was like a lock. Right now, I think it's the front runner. But I don't think it's a complete lock. But I think if things went a different way, I think that would have just been like the absolute sweep because of the, the, you know, sending the Academy sending a message type of thing. So I think it's a favorite. I kind of with you. I moved Mank down to my number two and moved Trial to my number one. Um, it's struggling, though, with the Critics Award. But it, that really doesn't matter because a lot of movies struggle with the Critics Award. And then we get to the. The awards that I'm not gonna say the awards that matter, but the televised awards and everything changes, changes setting. Yeah, I love Phantom <laughs> Thread, man. I love Phantom Thread. Yeah, but definitely like, not I for everybody. But Oscar night when it came out with six nom- nominations, I was like, oh shit! All I thought it was gonna get was was um costume and and DDL and, um, and DDL. But when I saw PTA Best Picture, I was like, yes, yes. I remember watching that movie, and as soon as it finishes, I'm like, I'm so glad I came to see this by myself. I was so glad I I don't like mushrooms. (laughs) All right, JC, take it away. Uh, My number five, same as you, David, The Five Bloods. I mean, Elliot fucking nailed it. (laughs) Like, I really don't have much to say about it. Just like Vincent Spike. The only thing I can say is that if Spike, as all three of us predict, gets the Best Director nomination, he will be the first African-American director to to get two Best Director nominations, which... It's crazy to me that that we that we haven't after we have so many amazing black filmmakers that nobody has ever had two best director nominations. Uh, my number four is Tenet. I mean, you we we talked about it in the Christopher Nolan episode. Yep. It's just like to me that's his best movie since um since Inception. It was just like everything Ellie said is like he just topped himself with Inversion. Like so, I remember I know a lot of people were like disappointed and they feel like it's confusing, but it's like like you said. It's like, don't try to understand it. Just feel it. Like, besides his commercial stuff, like the Dark Knight trilogy and even the and Dunkirk, most Christopher Nolan movies, you have to see it more than once to really understand it and appreciate it. Luckily for all three of us, we appreciated it from the first go. Yep. Uh, my number three is um, The Child of Chicago 7. I mean, again, Elliot nailed it. It per- came out at a perfect time. It's my favorite script of the year. Well, not my favorite script of the year, but I feel like it's probably the... It was my favorite script of the year until my number one, but I still think Sorkin is going to win um, probably his second Oscar for original screenplay. Like that, that dialogue is just amazing, and then just the performances from all the actors—they really, they really brought it to life. Like Yaya, Mark Rylance, Sasha Baron Cohen, who I think is probably the second or probably might win Best Supporting Actor. It all depends. And, uh, it all depends on what they campaign because there's like this thing going on right now that. Um, they have to campaign everyone the same, and there is a rumor going around that they want to can- uh Sacha and um Eddie Redmayne want to go lead. I mean, if I were Sasha, I'll go supporting because 
lead is just too stagnant here. They won't and get I in. Like, I don't think any of them would get in if they you know, go. If they go, like, I, like we like we spoke offline, and I'm pretty sure like you agree, Ellen. I think that well, I mean, you haven't seen the father yet, but I think the top five, the five for best actor is gonna be Riz, um, Oldman, um, Hopkins, Delroy, and Chadwick. Like I. I mean, maybe we'll get a surprise and like one of them doesn't get in, but I feel like at least four out of those five are gonna get in. Yeah, the only yeah. one you have to look out, you, the only thing you have to look out for, because I do know people that have seen it already, and I can't say anything else but that, uh, is uh, Judas. Oh yeah, because the keys. Yeah. Um, my number two is crazy because this actually changed like literally minutes before we we were gonna start recording, but Minari, which I saw like four hours ago, <laughs> like. I can't. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil it for you, Elliot, because um, you haven't seen it yet. But it is another home run for A twenty four. Amazing, amazing acting from from everybody. Like, did you see the farewell, Elliot, or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite like films this, last year. It, like the same way we all fell in love with with Nine Night, you mm-hmm, were gonna mm-hmm. fall in love with the grandma in this movie. Yep. Like, nice. It is one of nice. the best performances. That's as well. I can't. I gotta remember. I got it's not twenty twenty no more. But it's one of the best performances of twenty twenty. Like, besides Amanda, she's probably the one lock I have for supporting actress. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I want. I want to say that. I want to agree with you so much, JC. But after what happened last year, I'm. T- I, I don't. Well, I mean, I feel, I don't know. I don't, I feel I feel because she's been winning. Remember. The woman that played Nine Nine, she wasn't really winning anything. We just a lot of us just wanted her to get nominated. But this woman is winning a lot of critics like awards. She's getting nominated. She's like the runner up for a lot of them. So I feel like yeah, she that's has. True. She's picking up a lot of more steam than Nine Nine did. All right. And then should I go number one or you? No, because wanna... uh, I think you and I have the same number one. Uh, J- uh, Elliot, what's your number one? <laughs> My number one is uh, top tier Pixar man, and that is Soul. Nice. Uh, as you guys had hit on, Pete Doctors is yes, he is the the Russo brothers of Pixar. He his stories to me are what I love about animation, which is you have the mm-hmm. idea of going to these different worlds, going into our heads, going to this ancestral plane of the great beyond, and all that, and really getting that hitting those notes of just you know. Talking about life, talking about death. These are important topics to, to talk about, especially uh, I'm not a parent or, uh, you know, I don't have kids uh, unless you count my dog. But, um, you know, <laughs> regarding, you know, the life and death and, and those conversations revolving around and how they're able to, to tap that line and not make it so cynical and make it dark and depressing, but also appease the kids as well as adults. It's just fascinating. And in this story. It was more so, more so on my second and third viewing of Watching Soul that I just thought it was a, a really kind of a masterpiece. Just also, it, it probably helps that you know watching this film in regards to appreciating life and just the little things to appreciate. Just knowing the fact that you know, knock on wood, COVID free of all last year, and just being able to be healthy and, and be able to you know still breathe and walk outside and be able to eat, mm-hmm. have a house. It's just appreciating those things that the film really kind of highlights. And in the voice acting, I literally after the first five minutes, I literally didn't hear Jamie Foxx. I just saw the character for what it was. Same with Tina Fey, uh, and it's just you know it ties all together. Him at the beginning of the movie, not want to be a mentor, not want to be a teacher. And by the end of the film, how he's able to have this soul who doesn't want to have life to be able to teach her about life and appreciate the things, which is great. Um, the score we, we talked about. I mean, Trenton, I mean, can these guys just seriously they're not MVPs? be good? I mean, how many <laughs> film scores that they just top, knock it out of the park as they always do? The score was great. The visuals, I love how Pixar just continues to up the ante of just giving us these visually stunning new different designs. It's almost photorealistic when we're in New York. That's a character. 
and I didn't even touch yes. on the jazz by John Batiste, which is just incredible. Uh, from the opening jazz sequence when he's telling the kids what music means to him to just the rest of the film, the music is great, the story is great, the message is there, the animation is beautiful. It's my number one film, man. It's top tier uh, Pixar for me, man. And just I, I can't wait to see this next. I love this direction that Pixar. Speaking of going, about, I don't even keep rambling, but uh, Kim That's Powers, right. who did, uh, you know, uh, was the writer of uh, One Night in Miami. Kim Powers is just. He brought the authenticity of, as we all know as men, barbershop conversation and just yep. seeing the authenticity of that scene and going into the conversations there and what it means to be a black man and things of that nature was just so great. Uh, and and I love that Pixar, this new kind of generation of their films, is they're allowing like a diversity. Doctors, the MVP, yeah, the diversity is so key with what they're doing. Coco, this, I'm, I'm looking forward to Luca. It's just so many things I'm excited for. And it's just like they bring in a Pete Doctors, like, hey, we the veteran. You know, we're going to come in and then I'm going to bring in a Kim Powers and have him step on the scene and, and being a superstar. And I love this kind of teaming up of directors that allows these films to be having the Pixar stuff that we love and then bringing in someone like Kim Powers to bring in that authenticity to it. I thought Soul was just incredible. Yeah. And it takes away some of the the shade that was thrown at Pixar last year. Like, oh, you only can release sequels. Um, mm-hmm. Drop the mic because this is top tier yeah. as top tier can get. Yeah. Like, I feel like they should just focus on like original for a while because like I that's even though Incredibles two was good. I love Toy Story four as well, but I I feel Pixar like they have such a talented group. Like you come on, you guys just got to do original stories because you guys, you know, just every time they do original stories, it's like they pretty much hit a home run. Yeah, yeah. and kudos to, before we uh, JC and I go to our number one. Kudos to Trent and Atticus because what makes these two scores special is the fact that they're so different. Both scores yeah. are incredibly different. And they're different from everything they've done before. Like they just, they, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. All right. Cool. So JC and I, um, we have the same number one. That's prom- young promising young woman. Um, I, I'll, I'll kick it off pretty quick. Uh, because I remember I watched this by myself late October. Focus sent me the screener, and I sat down. My wife didn't really want to watch it, and I thought she would watch it with me. So I sat down, watched it by myself, and as the movie progressed, I'm like, okay, like. Carrie, 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 pretty fucking great. And then it just kept going and kept going. And I had heard from a buddy of mine that had seen it at Sundance, get ready for the end. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I, I had no idea what he meant by that. I'm like, okay, let's see what, let's see where we're going here. Like, is she going to like start cutting dicks off or something like that? I'm like, where, where are we going here? So when we get to the end, I'm like, I, my jaw dropped. And that doesn't really happen too often when I watch like a movie. I'm just like, I had no words, and I'm like, okay, I, I want to know where they're going before I really judge this. And my 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 feelings on like the overall message of the movie is that by the time we are taken into her world, like when we get to Casey's world, we're already or we're already at the point where she had the, pretty much the title of the movie. She's a she was a promising young woman who really has not gotten over the events that happened to her friend, and that whatever she's living for doesn't really change the fact that her number one goal left in her life is to get her revenge and ultimately yeah she wants the justice for her friend and ultimately yes spoil i'm not gonna get into the spoiler of the movie the events that happen happen but she ultimately does get that final justice and and I was, and then my, you know, to move forward to a week ago, my wife, I, I kept forcing my, I'm like, before you know what the, <laughs> before you get 
spoiled of the end, I want you to sit down with me and watch it because she's, you know, she isn't a so uh she wasn't a sorority in college, so she does know people that have that mindset as males or whatever. And she saw it and she was a little taken back by the end, but then she finished off by saying she's like, you know what, like that's exactly how it would probably be. They would probably get off without any problem, any jurisdiction. And she felt she didn't love the end, but she understood it. For me, I love the end. I love everything about this movie. I think it's like a game-changing masterpiece. Um, Emil Fresnel's script is probably the best script of the year, in my personal opinion. And yet, uh, I'll let JC. I don't want to take everything JC is going to say say away. So, Promising You Woman is my number one film of the year. No, yeah, like same here. Like I said, that's definitely my my favorite screw of the year. I just think that Chicago's gonna win it because I don't know, I don't know if the if the Academy's gonna really go for it. This feels like, like jo- this feels like Joker. Like yeah, like we said, we're not like, sure. We, we talked about it. I feel like it's like a female equivalent to to Joker. Like like I f- I don't like if they if they go for it, I could see it maybe doing some crazy stuff and winning best screenplay because I do feel it's the best screenplay of the year. And then just like you said, like the ending. You hyped it up for like two months. I did. I did warn you. I didn't like not warn you. You've seen the movie, Elliot, but like when the first part of the ending happens, I remember uh, I texted David yeah, right away. Go ahead. Like, go through that I thread. Like, what? I was like, what exactly did you like about it? You know, and, and then, and then, the, you know, when we thought the ending was the ending, remember, then we yeah. get like the extra five minutes. Then I'm like, okay, now I get why he loved it. But like at first when we thought that the movie just ended, I was like, why the hell you thought? Because I'm like, I'm like, nobody would like this ending. Mm-hmm. so it was just like the great ending like 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 david said like i loved everything there's not a single thing that i disliked about this movie the ending like i said it's gonna be hit like you i remember when i saw your review ellie you said it like you're still mixed on it but you've said it's kind of grown on you as you yeah, thought of more yeah. about it the but like only I said, thing that, about the ending that's control- the only thing that i'm still tossed on is i almost wish that the characters that we finished the film out with and particularly those two two gentlemen, I wish they would have came up earlier in the film because the, to me, uh, the the one guy I've seen him in, I can't think of his name right now, and New Girl, I think he's hilarious. Yeah, oh, yeah Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah, I, I just wish they were maybe in the story a little bit more at the beginning. Like maybe she runs into one of the guys. Obviously, his, one of the guy's name is brought up and then triggers something, and that kind of switches the whole that second knows. half of the film when she's like maybe – you know, moving forward, but then once she hears about, you know, it, it gears things up. But I wish that we would have actually maybe seen her, him come to the coffee store and have a conversation or maybe a conversation with her. And that really kind of sparks things. Because the only thing with that ending is those two, that, that, that the nature of those two characters, it was just like I was so invested in that one character. And yeah. now we're handing the film off to these guys and it's kind of jokey, slap a stick, funny kind of three stooges moments. So that's the only thing with the ending is just like I wish those guys were maybe more implemented in the first half of the film. Yeah, you know what's funny? I think um, if you really look at it, I mean, not to be a downer, not to be a Debbie Downer, but like you look at the whole, all the circumstances above, they probably will get off when they go to court because because of the fact that like she attacked him, he could use the self defense act. It's it's there's so much there that you're like to me, I'm just like yeah, I'm making it my interpretation. She got her victory. Yep. Yep. Right. And I and I will say the use of toxic that Britney Spears song has never been used better. Yeah, even even the freaking Paris oh, the Hilton Paris Hilton song. song. That, yeah, that was good. That, yeah. Like who? Yeah. The, like this is a fourteen. Like I'm pretty sure she was happy when they actually they concluded. Like oh my god, you know this is like I haven't heard that song probably since the mid two thousands. And shout out to Bo Burnham. I mean, it made for fantastic. Yes, 
He was absolutely fantastic. Um, All right, cool. So that wraps our our best and worst of the year. Let's just finish up today's episode with looking at some of our most anticipated films of 2021. Uh, For this one, I'm going to run through my 10 through 2 and some honorable mentions here, and then we could uh, finish off. Uh, so I want to give some love to Marvel, Eternals, Black Widow, looking forward to that. And I will say a lot of these, uh, anticipated films are stuff that should have come out already. So, uh, next up, Matrix 4, uh, Top Gun. And I am very hesitant because JC knows how I feel about this director, but Blonde, I'm looking forward to it. I just know that it may not be something up my alley. Oh, no, he already said it's not going to become a traditional biopic. So it's going to be very different yep so and then my uh last honorable mention is nightmare alley if it comes out so no yeah that's pretty good to come out next year uh first well this year sorry this (laughs) first up i have number 10 judas and the black messiah i think this is going to be a big oscar player and it's probably going to be along the lines of the assassination of jesse james versus the coward robert ford which i adore that film uh number nine is very unknown this does take this was lynn's project before hamilton in the heights uh, it looks like it's right up my alley in terms of musical uh, and just of Latino representation. I'm, I'm all in on that. My number eight is Dune. Can't wait for that. The reason it's lower. I love Denis, but I've seen Lynch's Dune. I, I, I can't I, I can't put something up there that I may, you know, eventually not be into the full story of it. Uh, number seven is Suicide Squad. We just got word that the movie is rated R. James Gunn doing a rated R team up movie. I can't fucking wait for this one. Uh, and then. Uh, Elliot, I know you. I won't be alone on this one. Number six, No Time to Die. I think we, hopefully this is as good as, especially since this is Daniel Craig's last one. I'm hoping this is as good as I hope it, uh, expect it to be. Uh, JC. I mean, with Carrie uh, behind the camera. Oh, that's true. Uh, Elliot, take it away. All right. So, uh, number 10 for me is, yeah, so No Time to Die. It, it's, it hasn't lost its steam and momentum. I'm really still excited for it. Um, and, and seeing the, the cast come together and see how they close out Daniel Craig's uh, chapter. But it is, it's number 10 for me. I'm still excited for it. Uh, coming in at number nine is the most, like, interesting film to me is The Matrix 4. Uh, what is this film going to be? How is it, are they going to push the envelope like they did with the first Matrix uh, in regards to technology and special effects and stuff like that? And obviously, John, or I would say John, John Wick, uh, Keanu Reeves is just, you know, knocking and kicking in all cylinders. So I'm really excited to see that. And obviously, yeah, yeah, we talked about him earlier. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, number eight for me is Black Widow. I'm a big uh, Marvel fan. It's, you know, I'm getting that Marvel H. We're getting that, you know, WandaVision in a couple weeks, but I'm really excited to see this next phase of Marvel and dive into like, uh, what Ross has been up to, are we going to get the Thunderbolts and more of the characters like uh, Justin Hammer and more of the ground level characters? And is Hydra still out there and, and Florence Pugh taking the mantle? So I'm really excited for that. Uh, number seven, my, I'm a big horror fan. So uh, The Conjuring 3. Nice. My only hesitation is J- James Wan is yep. not directing it. You have yeah, uh, David director. Chavez from uh, La Llorona. And I thought that film could have been a little bit better. But I, I think... <laughs> James Wan wouldn't have picked him if he didn't have faith in him, just like he does with David F. Sandberg and a lot of these people that he's kind of building up their resume. Lee Wanell, perfect example of that. So I hope that he sees something in him that really he was like, you can have the baby. You can have my franchise and do justice to it. And I'm really interested in the story, too. The first, like, yeah, the first that ever, story like, is crazy. judge, you know, exorcist being in, in a courtroom. So really excited for that. And, of course, the Warrens are back. Um Number six is uh, Judas and Black Messiah. I mean, Lakeith Stanfield is is a rock star, and um, Dame Kalua is incredible, and just I can't wait <laughs> for that film. 
Uh, number five for me is I'm gonna go with the Eternals. I, I I haven't seen No Man's Land, and and I'm I love wacky intergalactic uh, ancestral beings and just seeing what they're gonna do in that cast. I mean, is incredible. I mean, they finally someone hired Angelina Jolie to be in a comic book movie, which I think is like maybe a little too little too late, but I hope that she knocks out of the park. And Richard Madden, who I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, and and Bodyguard, seeing him on the big screen, and Kit Harrington too. My boy John Snow getting some love in, in, a, in a big picture. So I'm really excited to see what they do there. And, uh, um, you know, the cast is incredible. Uh, number four, Suicide Squad. I mean, James Gunn, Rated R, Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn. I mean, I'm just so excited to see what this film has to offer. And, and King Shark eating some people's heads off is going to be awesome. And seeing what uh, with Mr. John Cena, who hasn't really impressed me as an actor. I like him in Black. <gasps> like that. Well, I, so I, I think, he's, I think he's Cena is not bad. Good. He's not that bad. <sighs> No, you guys see that Firehouse film? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't watch that either. I can't see you, man. I can't see you. Uh, number three is uh, Quiet Place 2. I know I, you guys. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah we both saw okay. it. Okay. Can't wait really to see really it. It's cool. number three. Super excited. John Kozinski is my guy. Uh, and then number two, uh, going back to me being a big uh, horror fan, and it's my favorite um, slasher of all time, and that's Halloween Kills. Nice. And JC, I totally forgot to do my five through two. So I let me run through those. Uh, my number five is West, The French Dispatch. I love Wes Anderson films. That is absolutely something that I was looking forward to this year. Totally bummed that I had to move out to 2021, but I'm excited to get to that. Number four is that Jay, that's Elliot's number two, Halloween Kills. I've uh, heard some stuff about Halloween Kills, so it may be some controversial stuff similar to Halloween 2018, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. I wish they would just release both of them this year because I definitely want to see the end of this. Uh, number three is one that JC and I have talked about off the line. It's one of those that it's uh, we don't know, we I don't think it's going to be on the level that its predecessor is, but I think. The Sopranos is the greatest show of all time, in my personal opinion. Mm. So seeing this, the prequel, The Many Saints of Newark, I'm very excited to see where they're going here. Just taking back to Newark in the 1960s and just seeing uh, Johnny and it's oh, uh, it's going to be Formiga. Yeah, oh it's, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, and then yeah. number two, uh, the original of Yep. Number two, the first <laughs> film is my uh, in my top five favorite films of all time. And I th- I'm glad we're finally getting a direct sequel to uh Ghostbusters 2. Uh, I don't hate Ghostbusters 2 like everyone else does. I also don't hate the reboot for 2016 like many people do. It's just not for me. Uh, yeah, and that's my, my 5 through 2. Go ahead, uh, uh, JC. Well, I only have two honorable mentions, and it's more because I, for some reason, don't think they're going to come out. Well, Spider-Man 3, I just because the release date like December 17th. Oh, I about that. Yeah. And I just feel like I don't think that's making it. Delays. We're going to get some delays. I know mm. it. And the fact that it's almost barely, barely making it to 2021, I feel that gets pushed. So that's why I have an honorable mention. And then another movie is I'm a big Scorsese fan, my favorite director, but Killers of the Flower. No movie. way we're getting that this year. Yeah, exactly, because they're supposed to start shooting in in, um, in March. And I just don't see that's going to be like probably like a three month shoot. And I just don't, the way the scope for that movie, you know. I feel that's probably that's a movie that's gonna be like two hours and a half to three hours. There's just no I don't unless he works unless he be Matthew becomes Clint Eastwood, there is no way that he drops that before the year ends. But like if it does come out is if we do actually get a release date that oh it's gonna come out before the year ends, that's automatically my number one movie of the year. Um that's that's Apple, right? Did Apple yep. pick that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um 
Number 10, this is the one that I know David is going to be like, what the fuck is Basagi Bottom? Come on, David, give it to me. I got nothing. I fucked oh, I was just, I was going to be like, what the fuck what is the, Soggy Bottom? What the fuck is Soggy Bottom? <laughs> Go for it. Well, that's the working title for it, but it's a, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Is that really the working title for it? Yep, Soggy oh, Bottom. Oh, my God. That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm in, um, I'm in for PTA. Don't get me wrong, but that, that is. Well, I just I remember the 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 freaking for Spider Man Three Serenity now from Seinfeld. Like I, I don't I see I don't think that's it's gonna fun. be what it's funny. It's, it's a better working title than Untitled Paul Thomas Anderson film that we have for Phantom Thread for about a year. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm a like we spoke in, in the one of the podcasts. Like I'm a big PTA fan. I'm very excited to see um Felicity Hoffman's son make his his acting debut under the guy that pretty much you know like was very instrumental in his father's career. And, you know, it's seeing him work again with the big cast like he did in Boogie Nights and back in the 1970s, San Fernando Valley, Bradley Cooper. Like, I've seen the onset pictures. The costume looks kind of crazy. And then Sean Penn might be in it. I know you're not big on him, David, but that's my guy. Uh, number nine is The First Dispatch, same as David. I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. That was one of my most anticipated movies of, of the past year. You know, I was very sad when it got pushed. I'm a big Timothy Chalamet fan. And then just... The murderous role of cast members, that stuff has like just, you know, it's like probably has like 10 Oscar winners in the cast. Uh, my number eight is um, Ed- Edgar Wright's new next movie, Last Night in Soho. Oh, finally. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was in my top five of last year. Went a little back now this time because there's some better movies coming out this year that I think. But, you know, like, I think the delay is going to help this movie so much because. Thanks to the Queen's Gambit, so many people now know who Anya Taylor-Joy is. Like, you know, like us, we knew her from, like, The Witch and, you know, and from Split, but, you know, like, casuals. Yeah, that shade for uh for her taking over the Furiosa role seems to have gone away now, thanks to Queen's Gambit. It's, it's, exactly. So, like, this movie actually being delayed a whole year might have worked to his advantage. And then just, you know, it's like he said it's supposed to be, like, repulsion and, like, uh, like don't look now, which is, like, two psychological thrills I love a lot. So I'm very excited to see what Edgar Wright might do in that genre. Uh, my number seven is The Suicide Squad. Everything you guys says, James Gunn working rated R's. I already I like the original Suicide Squad. <laughs> I, I have no shame <laughs> in admitting it. But I already know this is going to be better. So it's just like I'm very excited for it. Number six is Halloween Kills. The reason it's a little bit low is because the things that David told me about the script. Um, Mike Myers is my dude. It's my favorite horror franchise. But because of the things you told me about like i have my issues and i'm like a little scared uh my number five is judas and the black messiah like i mean that trailer <laughs> oh yeah that might have been the best trailer uh, of last year for me like i was completely sold in just that one minute and 40 and 40 seconds and the fact that it's releasing an hbo max next month i'm very happy about it daniel kaluuya my he's well, he's not american and i know there's been a whole controversy about him being british and playing it like he just looks like he's gonna knock it out of the park. Lakeith, that's my that's been my dude since since short term twelve. Like I'm very happy to see all the success he's having. Uh, my number four is I'm gonna get a reaction from David because he already told me you have no interest in, in this movie. But the tra- the tragedy of Macbeth. <laughs> Shut your dirty mouth. Uh, well, like I said, Macbeth is is my favorite Shakespeare property. Then you have Joel Cohen from the Cohen Brothers directing like. You know, that's like already like I'm sold. Like I'm a big fan of them. And then I'm gonna see you have Denzel. 
I'm going to see. Uh, sorry, JC. I'm going to see which is more entertaining. I'm going to watch Paint Dry after I watch that movie. I'll let you know. What, <laughs> I'll let you know what was more entertaining. Uh, you have Denzel playing Macbeth, which is uh, which I love because you know we've seen so many white actors play Othello, but then you have a black man playing the Scottish King, and then Francis McDormand playing Lady Macbeth. Like um, those two actors and Joel Cohen, I'm sold. Um, my number three is in the Heights. Um. Same as Dave, you know, Latino representation. I actually come from the neighborhood that this movie takes place in, Watch the Heights. I've, so, like, when I saw the trailer, there was a lot of stuff that I recognized, like, the pool. as the pool I used to go to as a kid. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, like, seeing where I'm from being represented on the big screen. I'm just very excited about it. And then my number two is Many Saints of New Work. I'm, like, David, I think The Sopranos is the greatest show of all time. I'm a big fan of it. Like, I'm not expecting it to be this super amazing thing or even yeah, same you know, sopranos but you know just you know just learning more about these characters you know like you know just seeing these characters again it's gonna be great all right let's let's shut this down elliot what's your number one most anticipated film of the year yeah Elliot gonna have the same one <laughs> it's uh my favorite director working in hollywood it's the uh the entire cast is uh the whole hollywood landscape every actor in uh working today is in this film uh i am beyond excited i'm a sci-fi fanatic he uh he he has one of my favorite sci-fi films of all time. I think I've uh alluded to it. Uh Denis Villeneuve. Nice. Dune. October 1st cannot get here soon enough. Um I hope I pray that the theaters uh, at least out here in St. Louis is good to go cuz I I have to see this in the theaters. Um and then as soon as I see that theater, I will be coming right back home and watching it on HBO Max, <laughs> which is going to be awesome. Um I can't speak highly. My, my anticipation is through the roof with this film. Um, the trailer was incredible. Um, I am. I, I've said it before. Uh, I still need to dive deeper into David Lynch's filmography, but I'm not the biggest fan of the original. I can. I, it, it has its moments. It's more more of a comedy for me than anything. But I'm I'm beyond excited to see what I, Denis Villeneuve's going to do with this. I hope and pray he gets his sequel. Unlike you know with Blade Runner, um, we're supposed to get a spinoff show with exploring the mothers. I hope all that stuff happens because I just want to live in this world uh, of, of rackets and, you know, worm, uh, sandworms and just uh, the politics and all the stuff going on with the mothers. I am just like so ready for this film. JC, want to add anything there? No, I mean, Eddie pretty much said it all. Like, just, I feel like, well, he's always said this was a passion project for him, but like him doing Arrival and Blade Runner. Which is like to show was like okay yeah you know I gave you guys these crime movies like Prisoners, yeah. um, Sicario, but I could also do big budget. I mean, granted they have Blade Runner wasn't successful at the box office, but you know like I mean for studios they care about that. For me, I just care about whether it's going to be a good movie or not. And just based on what he did with Arrival and Blade Runner, I know he's going to knock it out out the fucking park. Nice. And like Elliot, I hope I hope he gets a sequel because this is a yes. big book and he already said he was only adapting the first half, so I don't want to get like half the story. Yep. Right. Oscar Isaac in that beard, man. The dude. <laughs> Come on. Come on. And then my my number one is um my current outside of Christopher Nolan, my current favorite working director right now. And uh this may change depending if it gets moved. Hopefully it's not. It's currently a December release, and that's Babylon. Damien Chazelle's Babylon. Uh oh, I no, forgot about I that. No, I oh man. Yeah, because I see it getting delayed. Yeah, so yeah. I, I still have it as my number one until it's not in 2021 because Chazelle, everything Chazelle has done so far is a home run for me. I oh, yeah. adore La La Land. I adore Whiplash. I think First Man is incredible. So 
just seeing where they're going and the fact this is in a whole Hollywood and how I spoke about Mank before is yeah. right up my alley. Mm-hmm. I was excited for Emma Stone because she just like oozes old Hollywood. Bae? Yeah, and she, she that's Bay right there. But um Margot, I think Margot will kill that's it. That's a good replacement. That's a fantastic yeah. replacement. Yeah. And I think it actually could lead to her first Oscar if done right because what we've seen with Damien, he knows how to lead people to Oscars. So oh, yeah. Did they mention who's her counter, who her co-lead's going to be? Uh, Brad Pitt. Brad, oh, yeah. Let's go. And, and I think Meryl Streep, I think Meryl Streep is in it and Bradley Cooper and, oh, the and as well. I think Meryl Streep is in it too. Oh, oh boy. I, yeah. Let's go. Not, that's not 100% sure, but uh, yeah, so Babylon's my number one and that wraps everything up for this month's Cinephile Roundtable. Uh, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next month. Take care, guys. Bye.